As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 755 is real, 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 with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. We are presenting, we are presented by Tops now, folks. Welcome to 755 is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. And that was my youth there, Tops baseball cards. Anyway, I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, out in Washington, former Braves reliever. What's happening, Eric? How you doing, man? Not much. Been watching some good baseball. I think that game last night was pretty uh, pretty intense, but yeah, not too much. I was going to say, you're watching good baseball. You're not watching the Braves, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they've been playing not to their, not to their best. Man. Best of abilities. Uh, yeah, that's to say the least. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. First, let's start with the good news. All right. Austin Riley, after hitting 213 with a 321 OBP, no extra base hits, none, and 534 OPS in his first 16 games, back when everybody was howling for him to be traded or, or at least uh, dropped to the alternate site. Yeah. Since then, in 12 games, he's hit. You ready for this? 474 with a 565 OBP, 763 slugging, and a 1328 OPS. That's in a dozen games. Three homers, six RBIs, 10 runs. For the season now, I mean, this is hard. It's hard to believe. We're almost over, just over a month in. He is now tied with Acuna for second in the NL in on base percentage at 431, behind only Bryce Harper at 446. Riley's fifth in the NL in uh, batting average, 329, and 10th in OPS at 890, just ahead of Real, Real Muto at 887. I mean, that's a crazy turnaround for Austin Riley. That's what everybody was waiting for with him. Do you know what's insane is if he flipped those two those two spurts, though, if he started off the season like this, yeah, you, you wouldn't even notice the last two weeks if he was struggling. You're but right. If, but when you start the way he started, then then nobody believes you're you're hot when you're hot. 
Yeah, because you'd still see his numbers were still really good. He was still you, know, you wouldn't know he was struggling as bad as he did those first two weeks, you know. But that first impression's everything usually. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Acuna's, by the way, still leads the NL with an eleven thirty nine OPS, which is a testament to how remarkable he was in the first three and a half weeks because he hasn't done much lately since that abdominal strain. I'm expecting him to still get NL Player of the Month. I know I voted for him. I think it'll be announced later today. Um, but it's got to be noted, Acuna in his past 10 games, which is directly coincides with the abdominal strain. It was after he missed the two games, came back. Since then, he has been a mere mortal, hitting 176, three extra base hits, a 723 OPS in its last 10 games. And that's after hitting... 419 with a 1373 OPS in his first 16 games. It's kind of like what you just said. Yeah, the opposite. Those first 16 games were just surreal. But he said that's 10 games now where he's hit 176 with a 723 OPS and still has that and still leading the the league in OPS. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, I don't think you notice as much when he's struggling because he'll still mix in a 470 yeah. foot home run here and there, you know. Yeah, and still feels like he's going to have – you wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes four for four with two homers. Any day. Yeah. You're kind of just waiting for it. When he struggles, you're just kind of waiting for him to click out of it. Yeah. But when and other guys a, struggle, you're like, man, it might yeah. just be who they are now. And he said a couple of balls to the warning track, to the center field wall in the last couple of days. But, um, And then the other one, the other big one, the Braves got two guys raking right now. It's just not – it's not – producing any wins except for that three-game spurt against the Cubs. But they got two guys raking. The other guy's Ozzy Albies. Ozzy, in his last seven games, he's hit 379, seven extra base hits. Man, he's an extra base hit machine right now. Five RBIs and a 759 slugger percentage in that seven-game span. 1178 OPS. So, now he's got to get some other guys going, man. Freddie's still not going. Ozuna, you know, he had the two homers back-to-back games, but that's about it. And uh, and I saw just I just read what Acuna's doing. Dan's ain't doing much at all. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. But the Braves. Uh, here's the other thing. The other bright good news. Just just kind of a reminder of how bright the future is. I I couldn't believe this when they had to bring Pache back up center field, and then had to have bring Contreras back up, which we'll get into to catch. I'm thinking that's a lot of young guys. So I went down through the rock, through the lineup yesterday when Ian Anderson happened to be pitching. And I thought, this is a lot of guys like 23, 24 younger. And sure enough, the Braves had six players, 24 or younger in the lineup yesterday. That's including pitcher because they have the DH six players. That's like unheard of for a team. That's not like totally rebuilding. They had Acuna, 23. Ozzie Albies is 24. Austin Riley has just turned 24 last month. Contreras, 23. Pache, 22. And Ian Anderson, who turned 23 on Sunday. Yesterday and had his first, they had a bad start after his two great starts back to back. Oh, and the other good news they got 22 year old Huascar Inoa starting Tuesday, the series opener at Nationals Park. With his 2.96 ERA. He's only 22 still. And then Max Free, the other good news, is coming off the IL to start Tuesday. Second game of that three-game series against the Nats. It'd be good to see him look like himself. Yeah, they need it badly. 
Uh, before we get into the bad news, let's pay some bills here. Cam, producer Cam, who oh, you, yeah. you guys will be glad to know, has done a new intro because for Thank two God. and a half years or however long we've been on, that intro has been painful. And Eric and I finally were <laughs> honest with him and told him. I, I wasn't sure it was Cam reading it. And at first I didn't want to insult him. It's been so bad that I didn't want to insult him. But finally I had to say, hey, Cam, is that you reading that? Because it is awful. So awkward. It's like 755 is real. Boy, you do That's it what's holding us back, I mean, man. It, you back. Eric, That's what's it, holding it's us back. So it's We'd be a so, national show I'm by now. I'm not offended in the slightest. What I'm just scratching my head at is why did it take two calendar years for you guys to bring we it didn't up? want to insult you because you sound like <laughs> you a, guys insult me so much off air. That be thing. well it, hold up we're, we're gonna get i don't a, know where the intonation is guy from with david o'brien with uh, eric those who listen to the podcast <laughs> X, check out the X podcast out. because there's gonna be a new one of the new intros today and then i think we're gonna go through the list of new intros that i've created on thursday's show so i'm glad because i think it's limited our audience i think people have clicked <laughs> Have said, t- I'm I can't turning sit- away people. All right. I, I think people have said, I can't sit through the intro anymore. It's so. I've, I've clicked out of our own show over that. <laughs> oh my God. Stop it. It's so painful <laughs> to hear a guy force that intro. 755. <laughs> okay. We need to pay. <laughs> let's pay mine and let's give our face to tops. <laughs> All right. Just real quick before we get into the ads, for those who are subscribers of The Athletic, obviously you will not have to listen to the ads but for those of you who are listening on apple spotify you'll have the ads here momentarily though if you feel inclined or fancy yourself wanting to be an athletic subscriber make sure to check out theathletic.com forward slash 755 is real all one word you can subscribe for just 3.99 per month and you won't have to listen to the ads um but with that let's carry on with the show Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, no, one more good news. I watched the last night before I tuned into the Mets Phillies game. I was flipping through the channels because I wanted to make sure that my DVR was set for um, Mayor of Easttown. This is a new series on HBO. There are three, three episodes in now with Kate Winslet. Man, it's phenomenal. I love this new series. It's great. But I was wanting to flip it through my DVR to make sure I had it set. And one of the HBO channels, there's like seven, and I get them all. One of them had Rocky on. And you know it's that rabbit hole. It's like every time I flip through Bad News Bears on MLB Network, when I start watching the original Bad News Bears, I'm like, I'm going to watch like 10 minutes because the good part's coming up with Kelly Leak. And I watched the whole thing. 
I started watching Rocky and I couldn't even flip over to the Mets Phillies game until it was over. Cause that first Rocky movie is so phenomenal. God, I love that movie. It still gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. The fight scene. That's like right up there, man. With like, uh, with uh, uh, Raging Bull, the fight scene in Rocky, though, the first one, it's just in the music, the perfect music. Yeah. And then the training scene, you know, with Go to Fly Now. <laughs> I know it's corny, but it still just gets me going, man. <laughs> I think Sly was on the sauce for that movie. Oh, God, he had to be. A lot of it. But that's all right. I don't mind if actors do it. They're not, it's not, I don't mind if there's not a level playing field. <laughs> do whatever yeah. you need to do to do the part. Just that's like rock. The, look the part. <laughs> that's like music. Do whatever you need to do to make the music that we love to hear. I don't care. It's not. It's different than sports. You know what I mean? Do whatever you need to take. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, he was. Yeah, he was terrific, man. He was great. Everybody in that movie was great. But okay, the bad news, and there's a lot of it. So much. Listen, I, I wrote today. So much went right. We don't think about it in these terms, but so much went right for the Braves in 2020, and it's now it's obvious because a lot of things aren't going right. But if you think about it, last year, besides the pitching injuries, and there were a lot of them, besides that, they really didn't have major injuries last year. Ozzy had the wrist thing, but when he came back, he hit so well that it's easy to forget that he missed five weeks with the wrist, yeah. and they got by without him because so many other people were raking. But other than him, Acuna had a wrist thing, but he still played. He only missed 15 games. Uh, Freddie had the thing, the COVID at the start of the year where he just struggled. But once he got back, he was on fire. But yeah. they really didn't have any other terrible injuries. They avoided other injuries to, to other than starting pitchers. That plus they got as good or better than expected performances from really all the key guys in a yeah. deep and really experienced bullpen. Then they had career years from Max Freed, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna had been terrific in 17, but last year he took it to a whole nother le- another level. Freddie's MVP. Ozuna led the league in homers and RBIs. And Travis Dardo stayed healthy, had his first Silver Slugger award. And then Ronald Acuna had been great both of his previous two years, but he was took it to another level last year. Yeah. Um, and then Ian Anderson came in. It was only six starts, but he was it was terrific. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So by contrast, so much has gone wrong for this year through it's only been 28 games and you still got, you know, you're only barely over one sixth of the way through. I had to remind myself yesterday. You're just over a month into a six month season, but they've already had more injuries. They've had more injuries to starting pitchers again, again with that, but also to reliever. They didn't that last year, Chris Martin was there. All year till, uh, what did he get hurt again? And, uh, Martin was there all year though. He had a great year and he's been gone for since first weekend this year. He only pitched a couple of times before he got hurt. Now he's supposed to be back like in another week or so, but he's been out for a month almost. Yeah. Four weeks. And they don't have the luxury of losing. Last year they could have lost a key guy in that bullpen and still had. Six, seven guys deep. Right. This year, they were basically four deep going in. Five deep, maybe, if you count, you know, a Luke Jackson or... But they were basically four deep going in. And he was your main guy. You know, him and Will Smith. Well, he's been out for four weeks now. Then, 
among those four Silver Slugger Award winners that I named above, the, all those guys that had career type years, they only Acuna has played at anything close to last year's level. He's been even better. He was until the last ten games. He was, you know, MVP level until the last ten games, and still might be the MVP. But he's the only one of those guys that has played to that level now. Oh, and Austin Riley is the only other player who has met or exceeded expectations this year. And that's because of the last 12 games, because he started yeah. slow too. Freeman, Ozuna, Darno, Dansby, Swanson, that's half the lineup, have all hit 220 or lower with the latter three of those guys, Ozuna, Darno, and Swanson. They are three of the only 14 NL qualifiers who have OPS below 600 for the first month plus of the season. Think about that. Three of the 14. I mean, I didn't see Freddie struggling this long, you know, no. to be honest. I thought, I thought a lot of it never was, seen it. yeah, I thought a lot of it was, you know, you could credit it to Ozuna kind of struggling and him not having backup. But even when Ozuna's gotten going a little bit, Freddie still hasn't quite clicked yet this year. Yeah. Freddie's had little three or four games here, three or four games there, but we've never seen him have a slump more than like two weeks before. Yeah. Now, to make matters worse, and it's a lot worse, Darno does that thumb injury that you really hate seeing because when a guy lands, it can look so innocuous, you know, because especially when his happened inside the mitt, so we don't see it. But if it had happened to, like if he was sliding, for instance, or if he yeah. had just fallen and we'd have had video of it, we would have seen it and it would have looked grotesque, but it was inside the catcher's mitt. So we don't see that thumb bend backwards at that awkward ankle angle. And as you know, when it gets to a certain point, it won't go any further. And if it goes further, the ligament Snaps. tears. Yeah. 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 I was, I saw that on the ticker yesterday. I saw that 60 day and I said, Whoa, yeah, <laughs> that's not good. I well, didn't see when, that coming. If you were watching a game when it happened and he tried to stay in, he's a tough dude. Cause he tried to stay in and caught a pitch, a warm up pitch with a torn ligament. And when he caught it, you could see he went, ah, like that. He winced. He was in a lot of pain and he went off the field and he was holding his stomach. You thought, oh, that's, that's either a really bad sprain or which a bad, really bad sprain of the thumb is a torn ligament. You know, it's either stretched and torn a little, you know, people don't understand when they start sprain, they just think, you know, sprained ankle, sprained knee. And, but think of it as a really severe high ankle sprain, you know, where the ligament is torn and you're out, you know, a couple of months, not a couple of weeks. Yeah. Because that's what it was. He has a torn thumb ligament and he had that. He's going to have to have surgery this week and next day or two, today or tomorrow. So he's going to miss most of the remainder of the season. They they think he'll be back late in the season, um, but he's probably going to miss at least three months. Uh, and could be it could be the whole season. It's not even a guarantee he's going to be back. Yeah, then he's got to get back and produce after that. And you wonder what kind of, you know, long-term effects that injury will have even when he gets back. But, I mean, that was a scoop with him when he was with the Mets was he always hit. He yep. just he, – some guys, you know, it's like some yep. guys can't hit curveballs and some guys can't stay healthy. You know, like there's just certain things – there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it no. why one guy gets hurt. And his injuries aren't something like – a weakness. It's just right. random. It's just freak things happen to certain guys, you know, and he keeps getting hurt because he was hurt a ton with the Mets. And yep. every time he was healthy with him, he raked. So yep. 
I mean, and that's just kind pretty, of been, and they're all serious injuries too, like yeah. pretty bad stuff that you're like, you can't play with that bone yeah. chips and things like that. And things with your back. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, some guys it's like, they're always pulling a hamstring. Yeah. And you, and you question the toughness and you right. question if they could play through it, but you're not playing through a torn ligament in your thumb. Right. Right. Exactly. And here's my only concern too, is when he comes back, he's at process, he's at the worst position possible to come yeah. back. Yeah. He's obviously going to have to wear some kind of a brace guard on the thumb to make sure it yeah. can't bend again. But that's going to hurt every time he can't. You, I think he's going to have to have more padding in the mitt, too, obviously. But when you're catching a, a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, if it hits the wrong spot on that thumb. Yeah. It's one that you'll have to take your time and make sure he's he's 100% with before you throw him out there. Yeah. The good thing is, uh, you know, I mean, it's not a good thing that he wasn't hitting well, but it's not like you're replacing him at the level he was playing last year hitting-wise, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, But he, he could have started hitting like that, you know? I was expecting him to start raking. He's had a couple of good games. But the good things, if there is anything, is that you have catching depth. You made sure you had that. Um, I'm I'm kind of – I'm excited to see Contreras because in spring yeah. training, he played great. I mean, he looked good. For a few weeks, he looked really good. Completely outplayed Jackson at spring training, as far as hitting, and he's got serious power, opposite field power, uh, as well as pull power, obviously. Uh, but he he he's, I, I really look forward to seeing him because they, they and this will give the brace a, a chance to evaluate him and decide is he the guy yeah. really the guy for the future. So, um, and the other thing is that was a good signing to get Mathis when they did. You know, a yeah. lot of people when they signed Mathis went why? Well, this is why. Yeah. Well, I've, yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about it too, you know, when your staff's struggling sometimes, you know, it, it can be, especially with the young staff, you know, you don't worry about it as much with an older staff, guys calling their own pitches and stuff, but a lot of young guys just shake their head yes and call whatever you throw. So it, it could be good for the staff just to mix up who they're throwing to as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I have nothing I'm basing that off of other than just mixing it up. But, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I know we're throwing well to Jackson, Um just certain guys just click with certain catchers and sometimes mixing up that catcher helps. But a guy like Mathis back there, you know, every single guy I've talked to has said he's one of the best they've ever thrown to. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I retweeted somebody, uh, somebody tweeted, it was 2016. I think what they, uh, Alex Fernandez is, uh, um, ERA with him catching. Did I say Alex Fernandez? I used to cover Alex Fernandez with the Marlins. No, talking about uh, I'm talking about who died. Why can't I think Jose. of now? Jose? Jose, Jesus, yeah. I'll soon forget. His ERA when when Mathis was catching was like great. Point two, yeah. And then Dan Heron chimed in and said, "Best catcher I ever had in my career." That's who I saw. I saw him saying yeah. something about him. Yeah. So Which he's thrown to a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to be good for, and, and not only, not only will he like, uh, who said yesterday, oh, I was talking to, uh, yesterday, Andy Anderson said he's thrown bullpens to him for about a month now since they got him. And he said, terrific, terrific. Yeah. So I think just having Mathis in the dugouts really going to help. And in those catchers meetings probably already helped, but he hasn't oh, yeah. been with the big look club, but now having him in that meeting. It'll be like Tyler Flowers was last year in those meetings, but Mathis yeah. has seen everything. But I already saw him on the dugout yesterday. It looked like he'd been there forever talking to everybody. I mean, he's one of those guys that's really approachable. 
yeah. goes out of his way to talk to everybody. It'll be like having the proverbial extra coach in uniform. Yeah. So that part is really – that was a great signing for them to get him because he wants to go into coach, and this is like a transition year. I don't know if he's going to catch another year after this, but – uh, he's still in shape. It's not like this is a, I mean, he's still in really good shape. I was surprised to see how good a shape he's in, but he's 38 and can still, you know, call a great game. And, and, uh, and so that it's just good that they sign him. And then the other option, they got flowers still, they've got him. He's been helping the team. I, know, I was thinking about that with game preparations. And that's why they wanted to keep him active. And he's been catching bullpens at home, like some local pitchers, that kind of thing. And he's got like an elaborate thing he put up a batting cage in his basement, big basement with a with a weight room and everything. So he stayed, in, you know, and he's always in great shape. So he's uh, he'll be ready if they need him. So they're not going to be caught with their pants down as far as you know having backup catching. Yeah, I thought about that with with Flowers too. Is you know, it's one thing to to be there weighing in, but it's a whole nother ball game to be actually catching the pitchers, yeah. seeing the ball coming out of their hand and and kind of evaluate him from that uh, vantage point he's used to. You know, I don't know how much of an impact you can have sitting up in the front office, but mm-hmm. getting a guy like Mathis back there catching uh, somebody that's a little off, like Anderson, I thought his curveball was off in his last start. Mm-hmm. But to be able to have a guy that actually sees that, even if Mathis isn't in the game, if, if, if you just got guys throwing bullpens to him, he can contribute in that way and, and see some things that a young guy might miss too. Yeah, Ian yesterday, he had had the back-to-back starts with no runs allowed. I mean, he had the scoreless yeah. inning streak going and everything. And then yesterday, just didn't have it, man. Mm-hmm. Snit said it seemed like it was he didn't really have any, a feel for anything. It was a grind the whole way. Yeah. To his credit, he still he still, he still had battled. A, yeah, for four innings, he, he, he grinded through it. But what's that like? I mean, as a reliever, they can get you out of there after you face a couple of guys you don't have it. But as a starter, they can't really take you out in the first inning. You got to just get through it, huh? gut it out and, and figure something out and, and hope you have more than one or two pitches. Well, that's the whole, that's the whole reason teams like having some veteran starters on them because you know, when, when you don't have it as a reliever, like you said, it's, it's pretty apparent quick and they'll just throw the next guy in, but what you don't have it in the first inning as a starter one, you got time to find it, but two, it's like you still, we still need you to eat some innings. Yeah, and and that's kind of what what you you've seen that with like Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright, where when they don't have it that day, it can get really really ugly quick. And that's kind of what teams love about veteran starters is they've just been through those struggles so many times. Yeah, they find a way to just give you five okay innings and and not have it blow up on them. But yeah, I mean, I thought Ian yesterday, I thought his changeup was starting to get better. But he just, I mean, he left some curveballs up in the zone over the heart of the plate that, that got hit pretty hard. And Bichette, I mean, Bichette was on his heater. But, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be real nice if Freed comes back and does his thing like he was last year. The team could use it. I mean, it could be huge. That that yeah. They got to get him back. At uh, I mean, I don't think they can do this without him. No. You know, I think they need to get him back at that, whatever was bothering him. Hopefully he's had time. He's had a couple of weeks to kind of reset. And uh, you just hope that he figured some things out. And, I mean, it's it, there had to have been something a little off that he uh, – because it was start after start, you know, that he just yeah. wasn't himself. I know it wasn't yeah. a lot of starts, but it was enough that you're going, what's wrong? I thought he had gotten past this last year. Well, he was either – for me, he was either tipping or he was just showing the ball real early. You know, I saw him kind of falling off toward third base a little more than last year. 
And then I just saw him giving up hits on some pitches that shouldn't be hit. So, I mean, that tells me two things. Usually is you're either tipping it and the hitters know what's coming and know what to look for, or you're just showing the ball. And it, it's crazy how much of a difference hiding the ball makes. You know, nobody really measures that. Everybody yeah. just measures VLO and everybody gets all excited. And then you see a guy throwing 100 miles an hour just getting hit all over the yard. And yeah. nobody can figure it out because they're only measurable is velocity. Right. But if you fly open and show the ball and the hitter sees it for an extra three feet, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like that's like a year. You know, that's that's hours for them extra to see the ball in, in hitting terms. They, they see the ball way longer. It gives them time to time it up and read it. So I, I thought watching him, I thought he was probably just pulling off and showing the ball early and, and lost some of his deception. But um, I mean, it's it's hard to really analyze because he was still throwing 95, 96. Yeah. And the curveball looked good. You know, I mean, sometimes you just left scratching your head and he might not even have an answer right now. And he might come back and just be better because that's baseball. But hopefully he, you know, got back to the drawing board and figured out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you see it even even with more established guys. You see them with an ERA of five, you know, four starts in, and you wonder what's going on, and then they figure things out. But uh, yeah, there aren't many like Degrom. That's just on all the time. He had a, Degrom had a bad start the other day. I was watching him. I said he looks like shit today. Yeah, and I knew he was off, and he still went six innings with a hit and nine strikeouts. Dude, he is. Uh, you know, Bauer has the year last year where he's right there with him. And, but but you see him this year, DeGrom, Bauer, Bauer can get roughed up in a few starts and have a normal ERA and all that. And Bauer, uh, DeGrom just doesn't do it. He just doesn't. No. He's just I so I think with him, dominant. you know, with him, it's extension too. That's another thing I didn't bring up. You know, deception, extension. The closer you're throwing the ball to the uh-huh. hitters, the less time they have. And that's not going to slump for him. He's never not going to – because he's so tall, and that's just his deliveries. He He's like Josh Johnson. We used to face Josh Johnson, and the guys were like, I just – he's yeah. throwing it like he's 10 feet away. And you'd watch Josh Johnson pitch, and it looked good. It was 94, and he was hitting spots, but it was the deception and the extension of his delivery that guys just didn't have time to track it. You know, I think that's kind of a, a an, an area that everybody slacks on evaluating guys, but DeGrom's extension is yeah. never going to slip. I mean, he just blows his fastball by guys. So it's like his 98 is like 101. When you watch another guy throw 98, if they're cutting the ball off and not getting extension, it might play more like 93, yeah. 94. Yeah, and that's one of the analytics is extension. They do it right down to the you know to the inch, to the half yeah. inch. Uh, Verducci had a guy, I was showing a guy, I forget who it is, that, a guy that actually gets off the ground with both feet briefly, a starter, throws close to 100. And his extension is the same as a, as a pitcher like four inches taller because he extends so far, but yep. there's, there's, they had a still shot of him. There's a brief moment when his back foot is off the ground along with his front foot. Yeah. Completely off the ground. And he'd come back from Tommy John, which you would think it would be more pressure on the arm. But I guess once you get that power to push you forward and you get off the air, you're still – it's not like you're using all arm. But he's airborne for a second. And he's throwing about 100. Yeah. Well, that's what Jordan Walden used to do. He pushed oh, yeah, the yeah. a little bit, but – he did the. I mean, if you looked at him, he was in the air before he threw it. Now, it I try. Insane. I would try that shit in BP. I try it so hard. I bet you guys it's did. Like, oh man, you just you got to be built a certain way, and you got to be extremely loose and flexible to throw like that. But that it allows guys to. What it did. allows guys to fire their hips in a way that you can't when you're on the ground, and they get that velo. But I mean, for me, ex- extensions every bit as important as velocity. He had so much. Had to have so much stress on his arm, man. He ended up having Tom John, right? 
he had it all. I mean, his, yeah. he was, I mean, that's so much torque on your body. You know, God. you got to be built for it. It was crazy. It was a big, it was a thick guy, muscular. Yeah. That was crazy what he would do though. Yeah. The still, he, he was in the air like inches, six inches off. Yeah. I mean, it was easy to see. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yesterday Contreras comes in and gets an RBI single. Uh, it's tough to judge anything else because, uh, Ian had his first bad start, but I ain't going to put that on Contreras. Ian said he just right. struggled. I mean, that was nothing to do with the catchers. So, uh, I didn't make a base running mistake. It didn't tag up going second to third, but, uh, in the pantheon of mistakes they've made, man, the Aussie mistake yesterday, I don't know who that was on. Aussie, did you see he rounds first? He singles, he, 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 he didn't single. It was, they ruled an error on Bichette. Now, I don't know if it's on EY. I still think it's Ozzy. Ozzy's got to be aware of this. But the the throw gets there just as Ozzy's crossing the bag. So I could see where Ozzy wouldn't see it. Pachette missed it. You know, it was low throw. Or, or Pachette threw the, threw the ball. It was low and bounced. And uh, Guerrero, it got past him, I think. And, and Ozzy thought Guerrero caught it. But Ozzy goes past the base and turns left. And you can't do that if there's any question at all. But he turned left, and he didn't know it got past him. The catcher had come up meanwhile and uh, backed him up. Catcher picks it up, and Ozzy's out there kind of in no man's land. Yeah. And he, Ozzy was like, what happened? And then Ozzy kind of took off, but it was too late, and they got a rundown. He's always out. So, you know, I don't know. There weren't any people in the stands. The place only holds 8,000, and with the attendance restricted, there's like 1,800 people there. So if EY yelled it, I don't know why he wouldn't have heard it, but anyway, there's not time for that. Yeah, honestly, I mean, there's there's no time for a first base coach to to. It's almost a reaction play, and some guys just they think the ball gets past them, and they're going to get that extra bag. They start to turn left. You know that that's a hundred percent on the base runner. But he didn't start to go turn left to go to the back. He's turned left to go to the back to the dugout. He didn't turn oh, left to go. Was, oh, he thought he was out. Yeah, he thought he was out. Mm, yeah, either way, I, I, there's no time for for EY to do anything there. Yeah, that's, just, that's what I thought, that you've either got to turn right regardless. Yeah, no matter or what. Or turn left and take off. Yeah. But you can't turn left like like you're out and go back to the dugout. Yeah, yeah. You can't just assume the throw's going to be there and he caught it. Anyway, again. Yeah, I mean, that's had, on him. But, yeah, <laughs> There's there nobody so, else to blame. Yeah, there were so many bad things that happened yesterday. Snit, you know, kind of covered and said, I had no idea what happened. He didn't throw him under the bus. Snit never does like that. So, but uh, <coughs> but Snit said, you know, this is some kind of grind that we've been through, going through in the first five weeks since we started the season. And there's nothing to do but just continue to grind through it. The good thing about the whole thing is we're not what we, where we want to be, but nobody is running away with the division. We're right there. We just got to keep fighting through this thing and hopefully get hitting on all cylinders. He's right about that. I mean, as bad as they've played, they are two games out of first place I know. five weeks into this thing. And you, you just got to be grateful for that, that, that no team's gotten, you know, freakishly hot right now. And you know, it's a tough division, but I mean, it just, it sucks to struggle for this long for sure. You know, I mean, it, you forget that it's a, a six month season and you struggle for, you struggle for a month straight like this and don't play like yourself. It's easy to get caught up on that roller coaster, but yeah, 
There's still five months left. You know, you're not even going to remember this month. When when you get to July, you get to August, you're not even going to remember this, but it's really hard to keep that in perspective. And the longer the struggle goes, the harder it is to keep saying the cliche stuff and giving the good quotes. You know, I mean, at some point you got to be like, we suck ass and it's time to turn it around. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm sure they're already at that point in the clubhouse. But, you know, the amazing thing is if, if everybody in the division was playing really well Mm -hmm. and, you know, there were teams that were like uh, uh, 16 and 12, uh, 18 and, you know, 10 or whatever. And the Braves were two games out, say they were in fourth place, but still two games out. You'd be like, oh, this is great. You know, we're right. Yeah. Two games out is nothing. Yeah. But it's but, the way they've gotten here. <laughs> but when you're playing terrible. And everybody else is kind of playing bad too. It's right. still like. <laughs> Right, clean it up. It's a totally different feel to it, but you're only two games out, which is nothing. With five no. months to, two games out would be nothing. With three weeks left, it's two games out, and in, in in the last two weeks of the season, you're still like, all right, we can pull this off. It's you just, can make it's it up just the in way one they've se- gotten literally here. one series. Yeah, you can go head to head, take sweep them, and you're in first place. They go head to head with the Nationals this week. If they sweep them. They're ahead of the Nationals, who now lead the division. I don't know what the Phillies and Mets are going to do because they're also ahead of the Braves. But, I mean, it's that close. It's just when you're not showing any signs of doing that, which they did against the Cubs. Now, it tells you how bad the Cubs have been playing, too, though. Yeah. But they made the, they just destroyed the Cubs for three games. The Braves' offense was clicking on all cylinders for three games. Yeah. Well, it's got to be weird to go play at a spring training field. I was watching that yesterday. Like, I don't know how the Blue Jays are doing this, you know, because it, it looked like a spring training crowd. It was. And they still had the cardboard things up, too. Yeah. But yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I mean, you can't sugarcoat it at this point. And they, they know they've they know they're not. They know they got to get it going. And it's a matter of just buying time until you do. But I understand people freaking out at this point because it hasn't been convincing. Yeah, the pitchers gave up a ton of home runs. Uh, and you could say the bark was small because it is. It's plays as small as any in the league. But the Braves didn't hit a ton of home runs, you know? Right. You yeah. think the Braves would have hit a ton of home runs since they lead the majors or the second, you know? So, but they didn't. No, they just got beat that series. There's there's no way, no way out of that one. Yeah. So you get Contreras up now. You got Huascar Noah, I'm assuming we'll throw to him on uh, Tuesday. You can have a 22-year-old and 23-year-old battery. And, but that's nothing. You've had that. Yeah, the thing I think about that, though, and I and I go back to a lot, is like, you know, it's not just what pitch you call. It's, it's understanding the pitcher and how to get him back in the zone or get him back on track. You know, I think a, a lot of experienced catchers kind of learn mm-hmm. sometimes you got to call the wrong pitch right now to get the pitcher locked in and back in the zone and experience is something, you know, especially behind the plate that I think is the last place you want to sacrifice. So, I mean, that's, that's why it's good. Math is around. Yeah. That's why the people that said, you know, people are frustrated with the Braves losing and some guy, you know, sit on Twitter, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, you know, maybe it's time just to get rid of uh, Darno. He was good while he was here, but let's go with the young catchers now. I'm like, dude, that's the place where you can't say that. Just yeah, go let the can't. kids play. You got to no. have a guy catching. You got to have somebody that takes charge of the game, man. You know I mean, yeah. And that's why Contreras and Jackson weren't up earlier because they still had to work on game calling, you know. And with Contreras, you have a language barrier with some pitchers, so you still got to learn work on that part of it too. 
Yeah. So, and he has worked on it a lot and game calling and all that. So we'll see. Uh, but you can feel it when you're on the mound, though. You can feel when they're putting fingers down if it's like, uh huh. You know, like they're yeah. guessing, and and that gives you the least possible amount of confidence if in the pitch are, when you feel like the catcher's just like if they're they don't know what you want to throw. You know, instead of taking charge, they're trying to they're trying to call what you might want. So they just right. kind of put like a you know like a two down and kind of. Right. No clue. You know, so they're trying to figure out what you want. But meanwhile, you're trying to get a hitter out and you're playing this game where you're trying to get on that same page with your catcher. When it's a veteran dude you trust, they just put it down and, and they like, you know, they give you a head nod and, they, you know, yeah. make the pitch a little glove pat. That gives you so much more confidence. So, I mean, if you start seeing that stuff, it, it could be tough for the young pitchers. And that's why I think it was so important the last few years the Braves had these veteran catchers all the time. They had two of them all With the time. all the young pitchers, yeah. You know, Tyler Flowers, no matter what he's hitting or whatever, you know, some pass balls, whatever, like what you're talking about, people don't see that, though. And that's important, man. Oh, it's so important. I, I would have it happen when I was struggling after Tommy John. I'd pitch to these guys that they knew I was a sinker ball guy. Uh-huh. And I'd go ball one on a sinker. And they'd be like, well, he's a sinker ball guy. Ball two on a sinker. And when you see a guy missing on the same pitch, a young catcher will keep calling it because they think that's your pitch and your go-to. A guy like uh, David Ross, he would call fastball in because he'd see me missing to the other side of the plate. And he'd know he needed to get me back on line and back on track. And you'll see young catchers just kind of like tap their shoulder and tell you to stay closed. But a lot of time it's it's the pitch itself that that's kind of causing you to lean that way or move that way. So Rossi would call a fastball in and he'd get me back on line with the plate instead of giving me the shoulder tap or trying to talk to me, he'd just take charge and do it for me. Uh-huh. So I'd throw that fastball in. And even if I missed, you know, the next pitch was going to be off of that line versus the bad line of the sinker where I was flying open and pushing it. You know, that that's the type of stuff that veteran catchers are so good at and they yeah. fix for you in a pitch or two. It's real important with relievers when they come in, not sharp too. You know, I mean, you, you expect starters to be able to have a lot more of those mechanical cues. Uh-huh. Relievers are kind of just chucking it. But that type of stuff is what you could be missing, not having a veteran catcher back there. And that's the kind of thing that people, the average people, just don't even think about. I mean, we no. don't even think about that a lot, you know. But that's the kind of stuff that's why people don't understand the importance of having veteran catchers. And that's one of them. And it's just They're quarterbacks. They're your quarterback. They're calling the plays. And that's why Maddox loved having Eddie Perez back there. You know, he loved having the defensive guy. Maddox was willing to sacrifice the offense that Javi Lopez yeah. provided because it was so important. And if you're as great yeah. as Maddox, you know, I don't need, you know, the extra run because they're not going to score more than two But even three. think about Maddox. On. Even think about the catcher mattering that much for Greg Maddox. Right. You know, a guy that good, that experienced, right. still wanted a certain guy back there to, to kind of help him through the games. He wanted to be on the same page with his catcher. Yep. At, with all his experience. And that's why a guy like Mathis, you know, survives hitting under 200 because he's so great defensively yeah. that it doesn't matter if he hits at all. And there's there's no analytic for that. There's no analytic for, uh, you know, Which you can look at the numbers. The framing, yeah, but you can look at the numbers and see the, the okay, this guy sucks with that pitcher. But how would how would that pitcher have done with a better catcher calling different, different uh, uh-huh. pitches and, and getting him locked in? There's no way to measure how the pitcher would have done with a different catcher. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's going to be, and, and I want to watch Mathis when he gets in there, you know, because that's what, what everybody says about him. How Shit, great I he mean, is doing that. I wouldn't be afraid to, you know, the offense hasn't been lights out and winning games anyway. I, I wouldn't be afraid to start him a few times and see how it goes pitching wise. Yeah, he's going to get some stars for sure. 
uh, Contreras will be the main guy, but it's gonna it's not gonna be a, I don't think he's gonna be like catch five out of six games or anything. But we'll see. Um, yeah, Anderson said I made a couple of mistakes with the breaking ball. I ended up paying for him a little bit yesterday. It was the first time he lasted fewer than five innings this year. He went four. Uh, said I felt like I battled. I was just a few pitches away and just didn't execute. That can be the difference up here. Every He's a time, smart guy, man, Anderson's yeah. a smart kid. He said their lineup did a good job of taking some really close pitches, and they made me work. But there's a few pitches that I want back. Definitely, it's tough following up two really good ones with this. Two really two good good starts with this one, but that's part of it. We'll move on from this one, and hopefully, there'll be many more like the last two. Um, that Toronto lineup is impressive, man. Especially yeah. now they have Springer at the top because he didn't come back. He just came back for this Braves series. First game's back. You add him in there, and that's a line. That's a loaded lineup. Yeah. How about that catcher? Dude's huge. He's like five nine and like two seventy. <laughs> no, but if you can hit, and you don't have to be too fast at catcher. Uh. Let's see, Contreras. Uh, he was four for ten last year when he was up. At the start of the year, he had to catch that opening that opening road trip. Him and Jackson went on that opening road trip. He looked good there, so and he looked great this spring. So we'll see. Jackson, uh, they they put him on the DL. They said he had a strained hamstring, which was bothering him a little bit. And then he had to start that tenth inning at second base. And when he took off, tagged up, went to third, and slid at first. I thought, you know, that's a big man to be running like that. Sure enough, yeah. but. I mean, I had to think that they 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 had made it clear. Sned had made it clear in spring training. If we need a guy to come up and fill in, if somebody gets hurt, if Darno gets hurt, Jackson or Flower or Contreras is the guy, not Jackson. He's the, Jackson was here as a backup. Was not going to be an everyday guy. So this yeah, this worked anyway. I don't know if they just called it a hamstring strain. That's a, that's the impression I got because they're not going to have Jackson backing up Contreras, and they're not going to have Jackson being the primary guy. And Mathis is obviously not going to be the primary guy. So. Well, it's going to be impossible to measure, you know, what what difference Mathis makes even when he's not in the game. But yeah, I mean, I know it's it's the type of stuff you hear about, and people get sick of hearing about a veteran presence and all that stuff. But you don't keep hearing about it because it doesn't matter. You right. know, I mean, it matters that much to the players. It's just something you can't measure. You know, he's even leadership huge. things like that. He's going to be huge for for Contreras, man, and the young, obviously the young pitchers. Um, yeah. Jackson, one for 23 with two walks and 13 strikeouts. That dude's just overmatched right now at the plate, yeah. man. I don't know if he's ever going to hit, but he can, he does, does not hit in the major league level. And he's had a few chances now for the past few years. So, well, you better be Jeff Mathis behind the plate then. You know, I mean, that's, with, that's your with angle. More than Huascari Noah. Yeah. Yeah. Can't just do it with him. So they also put Guillermo Heredia on the IL Saturday. And that's really unfortunate because this kid yeah. or this guy, he's not a kid at all. He's 30, but he's really taken advantage of the opportunity. He's been the only outfielder that's that, you know, besides Acuna, obviously, that's done anything for them. I mean, he came in and really gave them a spark big time in center field. So that hurts. But then you bring Pache back up. Pache had a week to work on his swing after being coming off the IL. And I don't know if he made some adjustments. He hits a grand slam in his first his first plate appearance, first game back. Hits a grand slam. He's also had some strikeouts since he got back, so I ain't ready to say he's fixed. But obviously he did something while he was down there. He said he felt a lot better, confident, after with working with the hitting coaches down there at the, at the uh, alternate site. It's good because they're going to need it because we know he can play great defense, but Guillermo already was really producing in that central yeah. spot. 
And already yeah, will be I mean, back I, in 10 days. I like days. that fun single he had yesterday, too. He did. He's done. He's had two of those. That's a nice skill to have for sure. Yeah. But uh, Heredia should be back in, in uh, 10 days or so. He, he, I don't think it was a, anything severe with him. I think it was a mild one. But uh, we'll see on Pache if he's got it fixed because he struggled mightily that first first few weeks, the first couple of weeks that he was up. So Snit made a point. Snit said the number of injuries is just ridiculous in Major League Baseball right now. He said, and I don't know why. We had a normal spring. So yeah. I guess it's just one of those things. We're just lucky everybody's kind of treading water in the division right now. But there's been all kinds of injuries in the division and around baseball. Key guys going on the aisle all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always wonder if it's I don't I don't think it's related to all the different strength stuff guys are doing, but I mean <laughs> Uh, that quote, I think it was David Wells said, "You can't pull fat." You yeah. know, I mean, everybody's in such good shape now. It's you got to wonder, you know. If yeah, Bobby used and, to say that all the time too. Bobby would say that too. Yeah, I mean, it, the training guys are doing, you know, and and everybody's performing at their max capability. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. there was guys that could have thrown a hundred back in the day if they got on the right training program, but you know, you got to wonder if your body's built for it or not. And everybody's kind of pushing their body to the max and, you know, all the hypes on exit velocity and, and pitching velocity, everybody's kind of freed up to go all out, swing as hard as they can and throw as hard as they can. I think you're going to keep seeing a lot of injuries from, from guys like that. I totally agree with the pitching because I think they are pushing the envelope. I think they're at the upper limit on what the yeah. human body can take right now. With yeah. what they're doing because pitching as you know is not a natural motion to begin with no just why there's all shoulders and elbows are always breaking down there's nothing normal about that pitching motion so when you add all the tech all the 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 fitness these guys are doing now and how strong they are and it, so it's like kind of like when you're on steroids the muscles get too strong for the ligaments and tendons but these guys are so fit now with what they're doing year round they're pushing it and pushing it trying to get those last couple of miles of yeah. velo Yep, and every pitch is max effort for these power guys. Yeah. You just hear them; they're grunting it. It's every pitch, and they're like, they're not out there pitching like a Tom Glavin or a Greg Max, where they're taking a little bit off and they're throwing eighty-eight, ninety-two. No, you know, and it's it, peak. <laughs> most of the guys, it's so that's why it's amazing that Degrom is a slender guy, and as hard as he throws, that he holds up. You know, he's had some back issues, but nothing major. You know, but Degrom's training program is like I, I played with him. He does tubing. And runs, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's Smart. throwing hits, but he's throwing just what he was born with. Like that's right. who he is. He's just a tall, really athletic baseball body. You know, yeah. he hasn't, if DeGrom added 20 pounds of muscle, I bet you he'd get hurt. You know, I mean, he, and he's had injuries in the past. He's already had Tommy John, but when you look at these guys now, it's like, he would, and Syndergaard gets 20. hurt more. Yeah, yep, I mean, Syndergaard added 20 pounds of muscle one off season towards last. He you can't know. stay healthy. And you look no. at him, he's the he's the most fit pitcher in baseball, probably. Him and the guy in Cincinnati who stays fit somehow, as big as he is. Lorenzo. Yeah. But he's a reliever. I mean, center yeah. guard, as a starter, he's too big, man. He's too fit. Yeah. He's like Stanton. Stanton can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field. Just Judge can't stay on the field. All these big guys that are like look like they're bodybuilders, you know, look like they'd be competitive bodybuilders. They're always getting dinged up, man. You look around a baseball clubhouse and anybody you see with a six pack is an injury risk. (laughs) I mean, I think about, I think Brandon Beachy was probably like 6% body fat. Always hurt. You know, Uh, Hayward was shredded, but 
George I mean, that's Schaefer. how he was born. Schaefer had a 15-pack. You know, and Jason was hurt pack. a lot when he's here, too. A lot of nagging yeah. stuff. But, J- yeah, yeah Schaefer was, couldn't stay healthy, and he was a rock. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think about that. And I think it's just, you know, baseball, you're playing every single day. It's not like the other sports yeah. where you see these freak athletes, but they get days off and they get to recover. Basketball, they play a lot more than football. But anybody I saw that was just shredded, shredded in baseball – it seemed like there was a 90% chance they were going to get hurt that year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, in football, you got a week to recover. Yep. So, But uh, in basketball, if you think about it, a lot of the really cut-up, shredded dudes are always hurt too. Yeah. So, But baseball, I agree with you, man. they got to play every day, and when you're that ripped – you need a little cushion. You need some some. <laughs> you need like some backup carbs to get you through the day, so you don't dry out and get dehydrated. Uh, here's another thing where I think the uh, what's showing up where the Braves don't have the deep bullpen. Obviously, last year they'd get if it was a one run deficit or a one run lead, whatever it was, they would hold the game in check mm-hmm. for 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 five, four, five, six innings until back. the offense came, and you knew the offense was eventually going to have. Five, a three, four run inning and win the game. This year, they're not keeping the game in check a lot of days. They're not as deep. They can't go five innings and just run five guys out there. They can do it for two, three, but they can't do it for four and five every night. They don't have the they don't have the depth in the bullpen. They don't have the offense right now that you can rely on to have the four run inning. As a result, they're zero and four in extra inning games. They are zero and six in games when they're tied after seven innings. I know that's a stat where you're going, oh, that's what what does that mean? But that's one of those games, that's one of the stats that showed how good they were last year at those games. Last year they felt like if they got to the seventh inning and they were tied or down a run, they were going to win the game. They felt like they had better chance than, than the other team to win the game. Well, if you're uh, three and three in those games this year, you're in first place. A year ago, in a shortened sixty game season, they were two and three in extra innings, and they were two and one in games tied after seven innings. So um they also had 17 comeback wins in 60 games last year. So far, they got five this year in 20, or what have they played, 26 games? Yeah, so I mean, that's that's the big thing you're not seeing is all those comebacks. Yeah. When they get down three, four runs this year, it, it kind of feels like here we yeah. go again. Versus yep. last year, you felt like even if they were down four, five, in, five runs yeah. in like the sixth, seventh inning, they had a shot because that offense always came around, but – it's easy to overlook the fact that the bullpen always kept it at two or three or four runs, whatever it was at. You know, they didn't right. they didn't give up those late runs. Yeah, last year you felt like if they got to the seventh in, sixth inning, say, and they're down two runs, you felt like oh that oh they're winning nothing they're going to win this game because the right bullpen because the bullpen's not going to give up another run, and there's no way the Braves are not going to have a two run inning in there somewhere or a three run inning to win this game. You just yeah, don't feel that, that was, this year. You don't feel that it was at all. part of the luxury of having those three guys at the end that you didn't have to use when you were down two or three runs and you had three guys that were hot, you know, waiting after them that could pitch in those two, three run games when you're yeah. down and keep it there. And and they've kind of, they haven't had that this year. And they thought that they could get by with the lesser bullpen because they thought with the starters having so much more depth and adding Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. And then with the experience they gained last year, they thought the starters were going to go, Six, seven five, innings. Yeah, yeah, five, six, seven innings instead of three, four, five innings they were going last year. Yeah. Six, seven innings is not too much to ask with this group, you would have thought. But they're not doing it. I mean, the other day, Ian goes seven, and it's like a big deal because it was first guy yeah. that done it this year. 
And you'd have thought they would be by now they'd be getting that from like almost every guy in there. And they're not at all. Yeah. So Charlie, like we said, he's been, you know, his stuff's still great, but he's had, you know, he had two bad innings in that game the other day at Toronto, yeah. that small place to get the ball up and out. But Drew Smiley's been a disaster so far. And maybe he gets it turned around, but so far he has been a disaster, man. I mean, it was a gamble. You know, I mean, you you, you were gambling on a a small sample size of five or six, you know, pretty good starts with the Giants. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that if you did have the starters locked in, you might not be having any conversation about the bullpen. I totally Obviously, you know, I mean, because that puts a lot of stress on your pen, not just when you come into the games and they're close, but when you're sitting there watching and the starters already given up four in the – second inning and you got to start stretching you know i mean yeah. relievers love their routine and, and they get thrown off it when the starters aren't doing their thing but i mean you nobody expected freed to struggle you know not be as bad as he was and i, I think smiley was kind of a question mark but you weren't going to have to be in your mind you weren't relying on him real heavy either way because you had charlie you had freed you felt great about anderson soroka was coming back wilson looked really good in the playoffs you know i mean with the rotation struggling like it has uh, I mean, it's just kind of been one thing after another, but I wouldn't have expected the pen to be struggling like they have. And they they haven't been that bad. They just haven't been able to cover as, that depth, you know, that, that you need. But yeah. 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 Charlie's been good, but not as good as you thought. I mean, look at the yeah. ERA. Uh, Ian Anderson and Huascar Inoa, who you weren't counting on, those have been the only two guys that have met or exceeded expectations. Those two yeah. guys. Yeah. Out of all the starters. Yeah. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Braves, man, this is this is this is hard to believe. The Braves' five point oh six ERA is the highest in the majors now. When when you ever thought you'd see the Braves with the highest ERA in the majors? Team ERA, they're the highest. The highest. I mean, that's crazy. This team's won three straight division titles during the whole rebuild. The whole focus of every move, every trade, was pitching. Yeah. So you just thought that they were entering another kind of golden era of pitching, not where you're going to have three Hall of Famers in your rotation, but, you know, and I don't think this is going to last and Mm-mm. be an annual thing, but right now they have the highest ERA in the majors. So it's no surprise. that I mean, it's amazing they're only two games out of first place <laughs> when they also haven't hit. It's hard to on, keep spinning a, that, you know. On a regular basis, they hit it. it. Yeah, they haven't hit like like you expected, but it, it's hard to numbers, keep. <laughs> the raw numbers are hitting. The runs and home runs are good. Yeah, but they haven't hit up and down the lineup at all like last year. Not like last year. They, they no. don't. I mean, just as a whole with the team, you watch the games and it's like you'd be better off just getting your ass kicked one day and then kicking the other team's ass the next. And it's kind of like you know when the offense goes, the pitching doesn't. When the pitching do- goes, the offense isn't there. They keep losing. They they're like keep getting caught in the middle where they'd be better off if everything clicked one game and then they sucked the next. You know, they probably yeah. have a better record, but. Yeah, I didn't see. I mean, I wouldn't have seen this coming. They're having a tough time putting the components together, playing a, playing a clean game. Yeah, they yeah. they haven't done that much. When they do, they you see what they were expecting because they can be really good. 
but it just didn't happen. Yeah, right now, I'm looking at the, uh, uh, the OPS is still, I mean, surprisingly, it is fourth in the majors behind only the Reds, Red Sox, and Dodgers. You just wouldn't think that watching them, you know? You wouldn't think that. The home runs are still there, but Acuna did so much of that early. Um, you know, they hit some home runs. They had it, but in so many, and so many, and they've had it in so few games. They had a couple of, yeah. like against the Cubs, they Big racked numbers. up some huge run. Yeah, like the Blue Jays did again, the three games against the Braves. Blue Jays just had huge numbers to move right up the ladder in home runs. The home runs are still, what, they're, uh, right now they're 40. They're second in the majors in home runs behind the Reds. But what is it translated to? When so many of them have come together, they have the six homer game against the Cubs, you know? Uh, pitching. Yeah, this is just startling to me. 5.06 ERA. You're all behind the Tigers, who are a dog shit team. They're 8 and 21. They have 5.04 ERA, better than the Braves. Cubs, 5.01. They're way disappointed. They're 12 and 16, just like the Braves. Reds, they're all hitting this year. They're 13 and 14 with a 4.97 ERA. But, Things will turn around. (laughs) Padres are at the top of the ERA at 2.91. They're doing exactly what they'd hope their pitching staff would do. Yeah. So, and then the starters. That's the thing we're just talking about. The starters have allowed a majors leading 29 homers in 135 innings. Smiley alone, like I said, disaster. He's given up nine home runs in 19 innings, dude. Yeah, he doesn't have that breaking ball right now. You know, I mean, and that's... 8.05 8.05 when you live off ERA. your breaking ball and then it's not there, what do you do now? Yeah. 8.05 ERA in four starts. Only guy that's given up more homers than him, Kyle Hendricks, 10 in 22 innings. Seven of them were against the Braves in two starts, Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> and then the other guy that's given up as many as him, Fulty. He's given up nine, but he's had 33 in a third inning. So he's got like 14 yeah. more innings than Smiley. And it's ERA, Fulty's ERA, 4.32. It's about half of Smiley's. So, <laughs> oh yeah. man! I mean, it's, that was a gamble they took. You know, that money could have gone. Oh. That money be helping if it was in the pen right now. But if he was lights out, you know, I mean, if he was doing what he did last year, you're talking about what a great signing it is. It's just it's hard to gauge what a guy's going to do off of a, a smaller, shorter season. Yeah, I just saw this quote I had sniffed about a Contreras. You know, he's honest. He wanted Contreras to spend the year at AAA, you know, and really work on a lot of stuff, catch every day, keep working on the. But he said, he said, obviously, I think a year in AAA would be perfect for him in a perfect world. He goes, this is not a perfect world. He's going to get some very valuable on the job training, and he's matured a lot. I thought he did a good job of handling himself yesterday, Saturday, or Sunday in his first game. He said he's a kid with skills and tools, and we're just going to have to be patient with him and work with him because he's going to have to do a, the bulk of the catching now. Yeah. Helps you having Wilson Contreras as your brother because I'm sure he's going to be talking to him quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, he'll be able to bounce a lot of stuff off him. But, I mean, it's, it is what it is. That's that's what you're looking at. Yeah. Said first person he called was his brother. His brother said, it's your time now, man. You need to work hard every day and play hard, play the game. He said, now's your time. He's happy for him. So It's too bad. Hey, if it's going to happen, I wish it would have happened before the yeah. Cubs series so he could have played yeah. against us. That would have been pretty cool. I was huh? just thinking that. That'd that would have be been cool. pretty cool. And they don't uh, – they play the Cubs uh, – did they play them again? No, they've already played them twice. No, they don't play them again. That's too bad. How many other brothers are there in the league? There's the Ross brothers, the starting pitchers. 
The were the Molina brothers. Remember when there were three? Yeah, were there three four Molinas. at one time? Maybe, maybe six. I don't know. <laughs> felt like a lot. Um, it was, I remember one time. Brothers. Somebody was complaining. Oh, it's about the. It was about when uh, when Posey got the broken leg, and uh, they changed the rules. The Posey rule. Somebody said, "Hey, that's catching, man. If you can't handle it, leave the catcher to the Molinas." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's the odds of brothers making it. I, I don't know, I know if there's. It's just insane, but I mean, it, it makes sense because you got the same genes and the same parents, but it's they still. I mean, four of them, man. You see brothers that one of them is a stud and one of them just sucks. Exactly. You know, it's just, it's just weird how they come out. Uh, uh, SD and about Mathis, he said he's awesome. I've had a chance to throw a bunch of a, a bunch of my bullpens to him so far. He's seen a lot in the game. He sees everything, and it's definitely been fun getting a chance to work with him. Again, excited to see what he can do, but it's definitely going to be tough losing Travi. I mean, they were all like, they were all bumped. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that we just talked about how well the Braves OPS is still way up there. Their home runs are still second in the majors. But the problem, after ranking second in the, in the majors to the Dodgers last year in runs and homers and leading the majors in OPS last year, they are ninth in runs this season despite being second at homers with 40. And a key reason, obvious reason, Eric, they're 18th with a 233 batting average with runners in scoring position. Now, I know that could be one of those fluky things, week, two weeks. But I guess that goes hand-in-hand hand with some of the guys still struggling overall with their offense. They're not just going to start hitting with, with the runners in scoring position. But they are leaving so many runners. They left 18 runners on base in the last two games against Toronto. And those are the hits they were getting last year. Exactly. I mean, that's key hits it's, like all the time last year. It's hard to it's hard to sugarcoat it, but I mean, it's a few big hits. We're not even having all these downer conversations about them. You yeah, know, I mean, that's that's just baseball. And I, I do. I mean, I really do. I'm not just saying that because I'm on this podcast and I want it to go better. But I do believe it'll turn around. I do too. They hit 233. They're hit. They hit 270 with runners in scoring position last year. 853 OPS. They're hitting 233 this year with runners in scoring position, 783 OPS. The OPS is still good because they had a few home runs from like guys like <laughs> Adrianza and uh Sandoval and Guillermo with his grand slam. You know, that's why the OPS is even as high as it is. It's not the regular guys. So they left 18 runners on the last two games of the of the Blue Jays series. The big one, Freddie, the big two, Freddie Freeman and Ozuna. People forget how good these guys were last year with runners in scoring position. They punished teams. Freddie hit 341 with an 1102 OPS with runners in scoring position last year. It was a big part of him winning MVP. Juan Soto was the only one better in each of those categories, average and OPS with runners in scoring position, better than Freddie last year. And Soto missed about a what, third or fourth of the third of the season. Ozuna was right behind Freddie. He hit 338 with a 1,067 OPS with runners in scoring position last year. So every time teams pitched around Freddie last year, it seemed like with runners they got scoring, punished. Ozuna, yeah. Ozuna punished them, so the Braves couldn't lose. I mean, they get runners on base. One of those two guys drove them in, if not every both time. Yeah, and we spent the whole year talking about that, and it also just the depth all the way through the lineup. There just wasn't yep. any breaks, and yeah. 
when you got those guys, you know, struggling at the bottom, even though they've, they've been hitting more lately, you know, as a pitcher, it grinds you down mentally just as much as physically to just, you know, never get that break. And I think, you know, you got the pitcher spot back in the lineup this year too. You know, that changes a lot. So this year, Freeman and Ozuna, again, have the most runners in scoring position played appearances on the team. They were third and fourth hitting in, in the lineup, then second and third now. But so they have the most, right? They're each they've each hit two fifty in those situations compared to what I said last year, three thirty eight for Ozuna and three forty one. That's a huge difference. I mean, a hundred points in your batting average with runners in scoring position. Uh, albeit Freeman's got seven walks and a four nineteen OBP, and that because Ozuna's not making a pay like he did last year either, in his thirty one plate appearances. So he's got a four nineteen OBP. Ozuna has ten strikeouts. And a 701 OPS in a team high 31 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. So he struck out one out of every three plate appearances with runners in scoring position. I mean, that's a lot of runs left on the board right there, one guy. Yeah, and if he's raking, you could be two games up in first place. I mean, it can make that big of a difference. But yep. I mean, that's the mindset when Freddie comes up now. And I don't know what kind of pressure Freddie's feeling because he's he's playing in his first playing for a contract for the first time in a long time. You know, that can that can change your mindset a little bit, but if I'm facing Freddie with the, with the game on the line or late in the game and Ozuna's not hitting on deck, I'm yeah. throwing Freddie sliders. I'm throwing him sinkers in off the plate, down and away and just seeing how bad he wants to be a hero. Yeah. And if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't chase then you're gladly take a walk from him because the guy behind him has been struggling and not getting it done. Yeah. But you, your goal is just to not let Freddie beat you. And that's a tough way to hit. You know, I think, yeah, David Ortiz said it the best four or five years ago. He said, people don't understand that everybody that faces me, I get their best every time. Nobody ever takes it in that bat off against David Ortiz. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where Freddie's worked his way into is no, everybody knows how good he is now. And, and you're, yep. Everybody once knows. you win that thing, you know, nobody's, nobody's taking any chances with him until you force them to. Like Yelich. Um, and Azuna is the guy that will chase behind him. So, you know, like you said, you try to get Freddie to chase. If not, you walk him because you know Ozuna will chase and you can strike him out right now. Yeah, and he's he's trying to turn it around too. So Yeah, he's trying you, hard. You'll be in a – guys are in a rush to get out of their bad numbers. You know, you try to force it, and then you start pressing harder and harder, and now you struck out again, and, that, and now you're pressing even harder, you know. So he's kind of in a spot where he's trying to get going and try to get out of that slump and – you don't want to take walks when you when you're hitting 206 up there. You know, guys want to get hits and put up numbers, yeah. and it's, it comes down to patience. So the next highest number of runners in scoring position opportunities on the team behind Freddie and Ozuna, Dansby Swanson, and Darno. And you think those first two guys I mentioned were struggling? Dansby is hitting 185 with a 563 OPS in 30 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. 185. And he was known to get the big hit last year. Exactly. He's had a couple of them this year, but when he gets one, you know, everybody says like, Dansby always gets the big hits. Well, no, he hasn't this year, but he just did a couple of dramatic situations, one at least. And then the other is Darno. 29 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Again, he, last year he raked in those situations. He's hit 214 with a 457 OPS and 29 plate appearances, runners in scoring position. A year ago, Darno hit 327 with an 890 OPS. Dansby hit 267 with an 840 OPS in those situations. I mean, it's just night and day. That's a yeah. lot of runs. 
Those those were all those comebacks. Yeah, those four <laughs> guys right there. Yeah, that's huge for your offense. So Snicker believes it's only a matter of time for Freeman and Ozuna get going, especially against lefties, because that's another. It's inexplicable how Ozuna has hit against lefties this year. Well, last year he was literally the best in the majors against lefties. Okay, right now. Ozuna is one for 24 against lefties with nine strikeouts, no walks, and a 125 OPS, right? Second lowest OPS among all major league qualifiers against lefties. A year ago, he hit 356 with a majors leading 1330 OPS against lefties. Explain that one. I mean, at top to bottom. Well, I think I, th- I can't, I'm not certain, but I think it was he was one of those guys that hit righties better before last year. And then last year he just started torching lefties out Uh of the blue. I'm not, I'm not certain on that, but you know, I mean, that makes a manager's job so much easier to bring the lefty in to face Freddie. If he's not just going to get destroyed by Ozuna, if he doesn't get him out. Yeah. You know, so you're a lot more likely to bring that lefty reliever in late in the game and let him throw sliders to, to Freddie. And if he doesn't get him, you know, you got better odds against Ozuna where last year, you couldn't bring in a lefty to face Freddie if they got to face that three batter minimum because you knew that they were going to sh- have to square up with Ozuna yep. after. So, I mean, yep. it makes a manager's job a lot easier. Night and day. Yeah, and we've seen it. We're seeing it, too. We saw it against Toronto all weekend. But we're seeing lefty relievers facing Freddie now. Yeah. Uh, Freddie against lefties, and he's a guy that always hit him in the past. Not like he hit him, not like he hit righties, but he hit lefties. Like a he breaks lefties. He's yeah. not comfortable with bat left-handed. This year, he's two for 28 against lefties, 071 with a 312 OPS. That's the sixth lowest in the majors against lefties, qualified guys. In the past, I liked it when I would see, you know, a, maybe a tough righty with really good stuff pitching, and then they, they'd uh, bring in a reliever to match up against uh, Freddie Lefty Lefty. I was yeah. like, you just did him a favor because he'll just take that lefty breaking ball and slap it to left center. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's another thing that's, that's going wrong with him this year. But, um, being able to bring that guy in when Freddie's not hitting lefties and Ozuna's not hitting lefties, I mean, that makes a manager's job night and day easier. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just didn't think anything would affect Freddie, you know, mentally or anything like that. I mean, it's because he's gone through so much mentally and dealt with it, you know, the COVID last year. You know, having a kids this this uh, off season, he gets spring training. You, you just having always twins you, at home. <laughs> you think he's a robot. He's just going to yeah. get forever. But you got to wonder – you know, like you said, you got to wonder, you start to wonder, is the contract weighing on him at all? I mean, because I, I just, like everybody else, I assumed that this would be done by, by now. now. Yeah. I, if not during spring training, I thought it would be done at the start of the season. And I certainly thought, and I still think, that if it's not done, at, at, if it wasn't done at the start of the season, I thought during the All-Star break with the All-Star game here in Atlanta, that would be a great time to announce this thing. But if they did wait, I thought for sure that they would tell Freddie, just so you know, it will, they would get the parameters and go like that and everything. But we've asked Freddie like two or three times already. He said there have been no talks whatsoever. And he said it with like, you know, a tone of like, you know, not like he's pissed off, but he's just kind of like, there have been no discussions. And I'm not anticipating now that the season's starting because I want to focus on the season. And he's not said he won't do that. Let's make that clear. Like some players in the past said, once we get to opening day, I'm not discussing. He has not said that. But he said there have been no discussions. That's what surprised me because I thought for sure the Braves would have told him, look, just so you know, we're going to get this done because we're going to announce that we, we want to get this done for the All-Star break, you know, with the All-Star game here. But that hasn't happened. So that's why I'm surprised. 
Yeah. And if you're Freddie, you got to be, you know, are you wondering what are they waiting for? Is there a chance that, that I'm going to have to move that they're not going to really, they would do that. And I just, I'm still would be shocked if they let Freddie Freeman walked. There's nothing c- comparable to it for the Braves since Chipper Jones. It ain't like Smoltz because Smoltz was at the end of his career. Glavin went to the Mets and Glavin, you know, was a polarizing figure in Atlanta just because he shouldn't have been, but he was because of the union thing. It's not a big union town. And he just did his job as a union rep. So when he went to the Mets, a lot of people thought he's a traitor and all that, which was bullshit. But the Mets offered him a lot more money too than the Braves did. And the Braves tried to keep him, but they didn't offer anything close to the same offer. And then Maddox had come to the Braves from the Cubs anyway, you know, and won a Cy Young before he came to the Braves. And they never thought they were going to be able to keep him forever in free agency because he was the best pitcher in baseball, you know? So there's no comparable thing to Freddie Freeman except Chipper Jones. It had been like if they let Chipper Jones walk after 10, midway through his career, 10 years into his career, which would have been. How much money did Chipper pass up staying in town? He he took lesser contracts for sure. He could have got a lot more going to the Yankees among other teams. He wanted to stay here. You know, I think about that. I think about that with Freddie, you know, I mean, it, he outplayed that first contract, yep. you know, and, and yep, I think it's, far. As, I don't think you can fault him if he's saying like, look, I already gave you the discount. And if the offer's not there in the offseason, what they were offering him and you're looking now, if he does, if he but did, they didn't offer him anything in the offseason. Right. But whatever they were talking at, you know, there's official offers and then there's talking. There's but he talking said there's with been the no discussions. Even in the offseason? That's what he said. There have been no discussions. None. Mm. Well, I mean, either way, if you look at it, he I would say if he stayed, he's probably passing up at least 50, 60 million. And you know, all right, you've already got a hundred something million in the bank. Right. Who cares? But that's a <laughs> I mean, for future players that matters too. You know, your contracts affect yep. future players and you gotta think about that. Yeah. But you know, I mean it's if you're looking at if a team's going to pay me, if he went to the Yankees after hitting 330 again this year and maybe competing for another MVP, what are they going to pay him? How about the Angels back home? Angels back home. Pujols um, contract coming off. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what his, where his headspace is. I haven't talked to him about it. but He wants to stay here. He's made it clear. He's said it again and again. So I'm still going to be shocked if he leaves. I still think it's going to get done. Uh, I never expected him to leave 50 on the, I would not ask the guy to leave 50. I would not expect him to leave 25 million on the table. Yeah. Braves have to make an offer close to the market value. Now, yeah. would Freddie take a little less to stay here? Sure. But you can't ask a guy to take 50 million less. I mean, he's got three little kids. They're going to have kids. He's going to have generations. I mean, and, and it's not like he's made, you know, a rod money. You know, he's right. not made, he's not made 300 million. Yeah, I mean, he took less. I mean, he outplayed that contract, like you said. This is his one next only big contract left. This is it. Because if you sign a three years or something like that, and then you hit your your mid thirties, five you're years. Not, yeah, I, you know they got to offer him five years. He's yeah. th- he's not 33, 34. Yeah. You know they got to offer him five years. And he's the type of guy that I don't really see falling off the face of the earth because it goes back to his his training routine, his flexibility, the way he's built is is. He's just one of those guys that I think is going to maintain his athleticism late into his thirties and keep hitting. And he's got a simple swing. He's not he's not swinging like Javi Baez and putting up his numbers. He's right. he's just he's just leveraging well. Or Tatis, um, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, he's going to play first base and like McGriff probably till he's forty. And if he does have yeah. to, and if he does have to come off first base, he'll go to DH. That's I mean, but it's, it's a no brainer. But it's I don't a think different he's mindset, man. Base. 
you know, I mean, you could see it all the time. Guys sign um, longer deals or even for me, the first time going to arbitration and having guaranteed money and knowing I wasn't going to get sent back down if I had a bad month. Uh-huh. I had the best year of my career after my first year of arbitration because it was the first time I got to play without that extra pressure on the side of of your own career, you know, and your future and all that. You know, now you're just playing for the team and that's when it's fun. You know, it's, it's hard playing for yourself. It's hard playing for a contract because then you're looking up at the scoreboard on those numbers every day and trying to fix it versus when you, you know, you got a five-year deal and you're hitting 190 at the end of April. It's well, I got five years to fix this. And he should not, he shouldn't be playing for a contract. Freddie no. has already played for a contract. He yeah. should not have to do anything for a contract. But you get to this point, you know, if you hit yeah. 220 this year, you're yeah. not getting that. shouldn't that. affect his contract. The only thing that should affect it is a major injury, you know? But how many veterans have you seen have a rough, one rough year? Well, Can't even, if, I mean, there's no chance yeah. he wouldn't get a, a, a deal. But I'm saying, it, how many times you see guys have that one rough yeah. year? And when you go into free agency, that's yeah. the year everybody's looking at. Nobody's going to say Freddie, you were, you're like, you just, you, they should not allow him to go to free agency if they want to keep him, you know? Right. They but never then you might Chipper be pissed you agency. got put in this position in the first place. They never let Chipper go to free agency. Yeah. They always, you know, even if it took like till spring training of the last year before free, they always make sure they got him signed. This is your one guy. You already got Acuna and Ozzy for nothing for the next, uh, relatively. Yeah. yeah. This is the guy, man. If you don't treat this guy right, what signal does it say to the guys coming up behind him? You know, to the Sorokas. You know, yeah, it'd be it'd be a bad look to free for sure. agents. They they got to do it. You I thought about it. I was like, I don't know how bad I want to watch this team without Freddie on it. You know, because I got an emotional connection to him. I know the guy. And if the Fre- and if the Braves are struggling, that just makes it so much harder because he wants to win so bad. And if he's struggling, yeah. the team it'd be different if the team was still playing in first place, playing well, and he was struggling. I think it'd be different. Yeah. He'd be able to come out of this easier. But I think that's doubly contract. He's struggling. The team's struggling. You know. Yeah. It's a lot of negativity right there. Yeah, I haven't even you know I haven't thought about it till like the last couple of weeks, but. Because we just thought it was a given, you know. You just uh, thought yeah, it'd be done by now. Yeah, uh, I've changed. I haven't changed at all. What I think he, should, he deserves, they should give him five or six years. And you got to start at Goldschmidt's contract. Yeah, that's got to be a starting point. So it's got to be at least twenty-five million. But I'm figuring closer to thirty. You know, five years, one hundred fifty. I think he's got to get one hundred fifty million, even if he stretched that over six years. You know. Yeah, and but, so that's that's why I'm saying you don't know what. If, even if there hasn't been an official offer, you know, you don't, I don't know what the he conversations says there's been, been no discussions. And Freddie is not the type to make the Braves look bad by saying there's been no discussions. If, if, if they've actually talked to him and said, here's what, yeah, that could Freddie be pretty frustrating said, in his shoes. Freddie would have said, well, they made a real preliminary. They mentioned an offer two months ago, but nothing since then. He said there have been no discussions. Hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> and I would get from the team. I'd get from somebody on the team. They would say, that's not entirely accurate off the record. There have been preliminary. I haven't had anything like that. So, yeah, it's weird. Uh, you know, no good. I know there's a lot on the table and all this, but what's more important? Nothing. Yeah. You've got all the other stuff done. The season has started. You can't really make a lot of deals until you get a little closer to the trade deadline. You're not going to go out and pick up a premier guy right now, you know? You're not going to yeah. get a premier reliever. You could sign Shane Green, but you're not going to get trade for a premier reliever. Who's giving up premier relievers right now? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody till July. At and it, with that extra June. wild card, you know, teams have been way less, way less willing to make those deals too. Right. The smaller playoff field this year, so maybe you can do it a little earlier. But nobody's doing it in the first week of May. No. 
Nobody's that far out. Well, there's a couple of teams that far out, but they don't have anybody, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why Shane Green's playing hardball. I keep I keep thinking he'll sign any day, and he's still. I mean, he, I think he's starting to get some interest, but yeah, I heard he's got yeah. It'll come up. Oh well. Anyway, yeah. The funny thing, I'm just—it's a little disappointing. It, you yeah. know, I think when it happens, well, I'll be like, okay, forget it. It happened. Finally. But you just—why has it got to be this hard? Why you got to put the guy through anything like this? I don't understand yeah. that. I really don't. That could be that could be frustrating. Why wouldn't you have at least tell him? Look, just don't worry about it. It's going to get done. Or it's not getting done. Here's what we're thinking. Just so you know, here's what we're thinking, and, and then we'll talk about this later. Just something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm him, I'm wondering, I'm like, what the hell do I have to do? You know, I never complained one time during the rebuild. I never said this, what this is not what I signed up for. When you gave me that long-term deal, you never said we were going to go through this. You know, you never surround, you know, you didn't say you were going to slash payroll this year. He has never complained one time about anything. He's been the ultimate company, man. Yeah. Ultimate face for the franchise. Never gets, there's never whiff of controversy. He's never done anything embarrassing. Yep. I mean, that's, it could be frustrating. I was just thinking about that the other day, wondering if that, that can affect him. I wouldn't have thought so, but you got to start to wonder. We'll see. I wish we could get in a clubhouse because I'd like to talk to him, you know, face to face. Face to face. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He's got those two little youngins at home. Thank God for him. I'm sure that's helping right now a little bit. When he gets home, he can put forget baseball when he's got two little infants. And Charlie's only four. The two little infants does not help. <laughs> well, there's something to think help. about. There's something to think about other than what's going on at the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a, an escape, but it doesn't help with your sleep schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. All right. All right. 755 is real. We'll be back on uh, – on a Thursday. All right. So hopefully there's something better to talk about after after they play the Nats. They could change a whole lot by going there sweeping the Nats. And Nats are struggling too, man. Nats yeah. have had some injuries. Not going to see Strasburg. He's dinged up again. Sure, so, he's look good. Yeah. We're not going to see him. He just Soto, Soto's got a so- shoulder issue. So they're, they're, they're ripe for the sweeping. At least take the series from them. That'd be nice. Yeah, they need to do it. All right, that's it. We're out.